space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're back again to talk about some more Star Trek Voyager. This time we're looking at the the nasty Vidians, or they they start off nasty anyway. But um, these two episodes sort of show them quite good. But there's a lot of other episodes that I'm not even sure if we'll look at them at the moment. But they can actually be quite a nasty buddy. Yeah. I remember when they were first introduced, and obviously we're going to look at Phage, the first episode. First of all, they're so much better than the Kazon. Yeah, it's a, I think they're so much better partly because they're a completely new type of baddie. It's not just an alien race that's after them because they're different or they want the technology. Yeah. There's a, there's a completely different premise for why these guys are, are doing what they are. Yeah, and the the makeup on them's great. Like they they look different to anything else we've seen. Yeah, and like you say, they've got sort of they're sort of conflicted in the the motives. Like you can see why they're doing what they're doing. But yeah, I quite like the Vidians, and it, it's weird that they they started off with the Kazon, and then the Vidians are like the first major race since the Kazon that we meet in Voyager. But they kind of doubled down on the Kazon and we get tons and tons and tons of them. Yeah. And the Vidians, we don't actually get too much. And they'd have been so much more interesting. But maybe it's a case of, you know, better off in small doses and they didn't overuse them and well, didn't ruin it. I, like, I think part of it is that they'd sort of planned the Kazon to be like the real big bad for the Delta Quadrant. But very quickly, they didn't turn out that way. Yeah, a bit like and the Ferengi. There was a lot of money spent in pre-production, like obviously getting prosthetics ready and costumes. And I know they were late building the models, but they built a lot of they built models and. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one. I, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, they'd kind of committed to the Kazon by that point, yeah. so they had to stick with them. But I find the Vidians so much more interesting, but. I, yeah, I think the, like, the Kazon, and let's be honest, and it's been said by lots, the Apua Man's Klingon. Oh, yeah, definitely. And everyone said that. The Vidians were something new. And I think there's something quite unique as a baddie inside. Yeah. yeah, definitely, you're right. There's nothing quite like it across, um, that I can think of in any other sci-fi, and what was interesting watching these episodes now when we're in the middle of a pandemic, well, hopefully we've passed the middle of the pandemic, but you never know. And it, it, there's a lot of resonance now with, you know, this species dealing with the disease and you know, all of this stuff. So we'll yeah. we'll touch on a couple of the bits as we go through. But yeah, let's, let's look at the first episode then, Phage. So this is something we talked about a little bit last week where... They're running low on dilithium, so it's all about the dilithium, and we're we're on the hunt for more and all. Like you yeah, said, like, like did they not give like them? This, well, this is only episode four, so um, 
we always say it's a week per episode because of how they do it. Roughly, the yeah, yeah. And the seasons. I know <laughs> season one only had 15 episodes, but that was writer's strikes and all sorts. Well, it was a weird one because it it had 20, but they decided to hold four of them for the second season. Yeah. And then I think the idea was, because the next season has 26, but they only had to produce 22 because they'd held four back. Yeah. So you get this thing at the start of season two where the the star dates jump around when they drop the episodes in and people like Janeway's hair particularly changes. Yeah. It's really weird. Like the and they were released on VHS in the UK as part of season one. So season one now, if you watch it on Netflix or you get the DVDs or anything, finishes with Learning Curve, I think it is the episode. And then yeah. But the production and the, the UK VHSs then had Twisted, not Twisted, sorry, had Projections, Elogium, Twisted, and the 37s, and the 37s was the season finale. But then they held it back and made it the season premiere of season two, and then they dropped the other three in over the course of, you know, in the next few yeah. episodes. Really weird, weird stuff. But anyway, yeah. But, yeah, but... Like here, we're only on the fourth episode. Yeah. So we're four, we're four weeks into to the mission, and there's no dilithium left. Yeah. It's like what? And they, haven't even, <coughs> and they haven't even been bombing it at this stage. Because no. She's uh, already been exploring uh, nebulas and. Oh yeah, I rewatched the cloud the other day just yeah. to remind myself of it. Trying to find a spirit guide and all of this business. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, we best steer clear from that one for now. We, we'll we'll uh, probably have to I do a. I think uh, we might do a late night one one weekend. Maybe. Yeah, and we'll we'll and, talk uh, about sort of set our stalls out, even if we can't sort of get together. But we might get drunk one night yeah. online and and we'll, look at bad episodes to. We'll talk about. We'll talk about Chicote. Yeah, when we get our streaming up and running properly, maybe yeah. do it then. Yeah, uh, we'll have a look at that. Just, just start and carry on as long as we like. <laughs> yeah. And just go, just rip into episodes. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, um, justice needs a visit at some point. Oh, gosh, that. yeah, Justice. I liked it when I was a kid, but I don't think it'll hold up now somehow. It doesn't. No, I wouldn't have thought so. So, um, yeah, so talking to Chicote, Janeway's inviting him for breakfast at this stage. So we're starting to see this little thing with Chicote and Janeway, but what's really weird is Janeway says, I'm off to my private dining room. Yeah. And then she gets in, and Neelix has made it into a galley, but it leads straight out into the main mess. So either Neelix has put a couple of walls through... Or Janeway had this private room, but that overlooks everyone else, like she's in this yeah, little booth. And <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was watching. I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm thinking, like, okay, like, where is kitchen is? Yeah, I could see that being about the right size for a private captain's yeah. mess. And um, yeah, fair enough. It might be next to the <clears throat> other parts of the galley and stuff, and and that. But where are the doors? Yeah. Um, is is he just taking a phaser to the wall? Yeah, exactly. Catch me in it to serve everyone. Yeah, and if he's not done that, then 
does it mean that people are being the galley and they just see Janeway having breakfast, but you're not allowed to speak to her because she's yeah, in a private they, they, room? They, they've got, they've got like the the rations. Yeah, she's having the smoked salmon and scrambled eggs served to her. And yeah, it's like sort of like where you get them VIP areas in nightclubs, and you know, yeah, you're not allowed in. Yeah, little uh, one of them little sort of that red um, red light band that they have where you have yeah. the why is it like it's always like big brass thingies, big brass dividers, and then a little yeah. Anyway, so Neelix has knocked through Janeway's dining room, and it ends up where Neelix is going to go on the away team because they found potentially a source of dilithium and all that. He's told them, aren't they, that. I know where there's a planet. Yeah. With loads of dilithium. Yeah. So he's obviously been he's obviously been this far out. So and this takes us back to the caretaker actually. So Neelix, we already established it, is aware of this area of space. Yeah. So we passed the the planet from um, oh what's that first time Time and again. So time and again. Well that was a perfectly functioning planet with water on it. <laughs> yeah. Could you drop off there for a bath? Yeah, could have done, but it, it just sort of shows up the whole premise. Yes, it does. Episode one, night. it was it was just one planet that shot of water, not the quadrant of the section. Yeah, that is really weird. Drive, so yeah, and like you say, Neelix has obviously been out this far, and it's only three weeks or at most yeah. away, and then he gets zapped, and Chakotay comes out with a belter here, like he says. I can't be sure, but I think he's going into shock. It's like, do you reckon he's on the floor and he's, he's gasping floor, for breath? <laughs> yeah, he's twitching all over shot. Good one. I know Chakotay's not. You know, it's how Chakotay's giving him orders before he gets shot. He's giving him direct orders. They're not finding the dialectic. There's something odd because the scans say that they're surrounded by the dialectic, but there's none there. Yeah. So Chakotay calls him back. The search is over. And Neelix is there. Two minutes, just a minute. Hmm? Chakotay's letting him carry on with that. He's, he's on his first away mission. <laughs> yeah. And you're you're the second in command. And this guy's going, nah, I don't fancy coming back here. I just have to go look here as well first. Yeah. Oh, okay, go on then. <laughs> yeah, but, what, what could go wrong? <laughs> bit of discipline, Chakotay. <laughs> And, yeah, so we get his... It's quite gruesome, really, that, like, his lungs have been removed, so they've beamed his lungs out. And the doctor's going to try some cool sort of medical holographic stuff to give him... Like, the doctor's got him on something immediately, which I think is pretty good for tech that. He's got no lungs, but the doctor can keep him alive for 47 minutes. Yeah, he can do something that oxygenates his body, even without yeah. lungs. Cause I wondered about that. So I, I'd have thought you'd... Do- I wonder if it's the same as that cryops that we had from the original C- series. <laughs> yeah, I'd better. Uh, what was it? In, um, oh, the bloody one on Vulcan. Oh, Mock Time. The Mock Time. Yeah, yeah. oh, that he gives Kirk. Well, he doesn't give him that, but he tells him he's giving him that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I pretty much thought if your lungs got ripped out, you'd die. Yeah. But, I mean, I've seen Mortal Kombat. I think, it, I some... think you're pretty uh, 
important part of yeah so some of them finishing moves they do on mortal Kombat. they you know when when they rip the lungs out the that's a fatality but anyway the doctor can do something and oxygenate him and everything so that's fine yeah and well the whole point of us looking at this looking at how like this i this is the first episode we see the doctor in action yeah And he he does a really good job, you know, considering, yeah. Like, I like where he's got (laughs) Paris looking for something, and then he's walking back and forwards past him, talking to himself, and he's going, I wonder if I could, oh, and could I do? (laughs) Yeah. No, he is. I love the progression of the Doctor, even as we're, we're seeing it in these early episodes. And it has been, in a way, quite an eye opener rewatching some of early Voyager. And I think we touched on this last week, like we said, one of the big criticisms is they don't pay off things that they set up. But in season one, they are doing a bit of gradual character progression. And we're seeing little bits of story threaded through the episodes. It's just, it all kind of went out the window at some point, but Um, they're trying at this stage. To be honest, like I know that there's quite a bit of that with a lot of them where it went out the window with character progression. But as far as the Doctor's concerned, yeah. we've, got a, we've got a full arc of the Doctor from episode one all the way through till endgame. Oh, yeah, the Doctor, we definitely. See, like, the character development of the Doctor, I think is not just some of Star Trek's best character development they've done, but across other TV shows yeah. to develop I mean, the character so well. I mean, it's no surprise, really, that the Doctor and Seven of Nine are pretty much everybody's favourite Voyager characters because they are the ones who got the right amount of attention, the right amount of development, and they feel so much more fleshed out. Even Seven, who in, in it for like, three seasons. Let's be honest, actually, with Seven, I think that um, we got a lot of Seven look basically through her looks. True, but... It was, it was completely done. For how she looked. It was, but they did also back that up with really good storylines and really yeah. good character development. Yeah, they did, they did and, develop a character. And Jerry Ryan, yes, obviously she's beautiful, but she is a very good actress as well. So I think those two characters do get the development, but you know, the, there's these little bits here and there. Like I like um, the Doctor has <clears throat> a chat with Kez about what Neelix's chances are and, you know, he might have to stay in this thing forever and all. And I thought that was yeah. a really well done scene. And yeah, I suppose... Like, well, what are the options? I either do it or he dies. Yeah, exactly. So, option. Yeah. But I thought his uh, solution was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. The... I'll, I'll use the transporter pattern to comp for to find out what his lungs exactly look like. And then I'll use my hollow emitters yeah. to project them into him. And that, theoretically, is... Some, I mean, we obviously... it's a, We've picked two good episodes to go together here because obviously they take this to the extreme in the next episode. Yeah. But there's no reason to say they couldn't do this for other patients. You know, not necessarily lungs, but various things that they could theoretically do. Uh, so they go down back to the planet, and this is another good line. Uh, they, they find this lab with all the organs, and that's really good, really ghoulish, and it it does yeah. it does it, set it, up something. They're really it, unsettling. It, it reminds me of sort of like 
the forties or fifties when you're going into the old castle. In yes. The, in the horror movies, how the mad scientists or or whatever would have the lab with jars of this and that all. Yeah, definitely. Way. Especially Frankenstein. Yes, <laughs> like the old sort of the old James Whale <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. And then I think it's, is it Chakotay who says any sign of Neelix's lungs? Which is just, I mean, I suppose you've got to have a line in like that because that is what they're looking for, but it just sounds ridiculous. But anyway, so this is the first time they bump into the Vidian and the Vidian gets away, they get off on a ship, they chase the ship. And, yeah, it's all pretty exciting, pretty fast-moving and everything. And then we get a bit more... Well, if you go back to sixteen. obviously the procedure's being done on Neelix. Mm. And what a whiny bastard Neelix is from the moment <laughs> he wakes up. Yeah. I it's mean... Like, as a character, this episode... Like, I quite like Neelix as a character throughout for you. Yeah, he has his moments. And I, and, and I think it's quite... It's a shame that... He left before Endgame that he didn't get back to work with the rest of them. Yeah. Like, I know how he left and he had a nice, happy ending. Yeah. But he'd spent seven years travelling with them with the sole purpose to get back to work. Yeah, true. But you're right about his, sort of his behaviour in this because this could have been a really interesting sort of exploration of how someone deals with trauma and how they deal with the idea. Basically, the the allegory would be to paralysis. And, yeah. you know, they did that really well in TNG with Worf in Ethics. Uh, but instead, you get Neelix getting really jealous over Tom. Yeah, and oh, it, oh, I lose a lung and he's jumping straight in and yeah. something about the ceiling and... and and it shows that despite Kez being two years old, she's the more mature of the two of them. Yeah. You know, she, she's the mature one in this relationship. And then... When you, like, this is the first time we have of this jealousy, isn't it? Yeah. And, like, it, was it the second season that it took till they broke up? I think so, yeah. It's, it's it took quite a while till they break up. But when you see this jealousy... Because someone's like, he can't go anywhere. Kessie's stuck there. And Tom, Tom, as a caring friend, has gone, if you need me, you know where I am. Yeah. Neelix immediately is so jealous of this. It's like, (coughs) but this jealousy carries on between him and Kessie. It's no wonder she finished with him. No, absolutely. And it's almost like, I'm not suggesting it's like an abusive relationship between Kez and Neelix, but it is kind of like he's taken her from this planet and he he sort of doesn't want to let anyone else get near her. Like, he wants yeah. to keep her all for himself and doesn't really want her making her own decisions in terms of who she's friends with and how she chooses to spend her time and everything. It's almost... Like she's, he does. He does treat her as a possession. Yeah, like a trophy sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite. You know, if they if they really delved into that, it could be quite disturbing. But um, fortunately, they don't. So we'll leave it there. And um, well, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of this how she got threatened by Neelix because that's how the story was. Is why she ended up being pushed out of Voyager. 
Yeah, probably. It's it because she looked she looked like a rubbish character, but if, if all this jealousy thing had been played had been written better, mm. it it should have been actually a really interesting character. I think if the relationship just generally had have been played better, like we talked about it a bit when we looked at Caretaker and it it's we're told repeatedly that they're in a relationship, but you don't really see any evidence of it. Like that, apart from his jealousy, but they, they don't act like a couple. You know, it's oh. really peculiar. Um, the Vidians then we find out they've got like this super tricorder that can read everything and beam organs out and all of that stuff. Well, they have to catch the Vidians first. Yeah. In, in, in the asteroid, and I think this is quite clever. Like, Yeah, it's a really good sequence. Yeah, well, I think it's just, it's, it shows actually how advanced the Bidians are as a, a species. Mm. That th- this asteroid is actually artificial. Yeah, and it, like, I love the, the effects that they do where it's all mirrored and they use the, the beam to bounce yeah. off everything and it's broken by the actual shit. I think that's brilliant. And the, there's a nice bit just before it where there's that thing of Tuvok and Janeway and Janeway's like, how do you know what I'm going to do? And he's like, well, I could list all the things that you've done <laughs> while I've known you. But suffice to say, I know you pretty well. And that's great. It shows, again, we've been told that these two have known each other for a long time. and But we're you know to actually see it in action yeah. is really good. And it does build the, the bond between the two characters. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of jumps between, doesn't it, the episode? Like, we, we get bits of action and the cool space get, stuff. Get bits of action and then we go back to six. Yeah, more like there's the bit where he's got the itch, and I don't think this bit's too bad. Like he, he's got the itch. He wants out of the restraints, which is stupid because obviously if they take him out of the restraints, that'll kill him. But yeah, well, I I got this that he had a panic attack. Yeah, that's what like, he had a panic attack about not being able to move. Yeah, which I you stuck know there for the rest of his life. That makes a load of sense, like a claustrophobic thing. Yeah. He's, yeah, so I think that's quite a well-done scene and that's looking at sort of trauma and how he's dealing with it and everything. And he, he's, he is whiny, but he, at least he's got reason to be whiny in this one. And then this is where we finally get the, the Vidians beaming over to the ship and we learn all about the phage. And I think it's, like you were saying earlier on, it's, it is really interesting, like, they... They sort of give this monologue about how it's afflicted them, and Janeway well, clearly shows sympathy. It, it's been two millennia, so they've been they've been doing this for two thousand years. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I mean, you can't. And I know we've been stuck with the pandemic for <laughs> for a, nearly a year now, but but yeah, you can't comprehend how much this will impact their society. And it shows that their whole society is developed as not a way to cure it, but a way to manage it. And well, the way to manage it is they steal organs from other people. Well, but Yeah, but it, it's sort of like they've tried curing it and they can't find the cure. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's only, <laughs> only affected Vidians. Like, I get the impression that this disease, whatever it is with other species, it can be cured. 
Yeah, it would. I mean, but it would seem that way. Otherwise, it would, yeah, it'd be. It's only affecting the Dean's, and it literally just rots everything. Yeah, and it you get a little bit sort of about obviously how their society is structured. Like you've got the one guy, and he says, "I forget what word he uses," but he says. This guy's job is basically to look after me. Like you know, he has yeah, to. And my, job is, and my job is to look after him. Yeah. He can, yeah. When when he needs something replacing, well, and it and it like he says, um, and he he says that we don't normally do what we did here, but it was necessary. It, I yeah. had to do it immediately. I didn't have time. Yeah, and it shows that side of them as well because they they do agree to help Neelix. There's no. Yeah. There's no major pushback from it or anything. They're like, you know, of course we'll do it. And as yeah. we see their medical technology, their tricorder and whatnot, is much more advanced. Yeah, it just scans everyone and he go, and then he gets stumped with the doctor according to this, you're not here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it goes, yeah, everyone here is compatible. What's your problem? <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Because we have had that earlier on where Kez has said that she would donate uh, yeah. a lung and all of this business. And ultimately, that's what they do. And Neelix is cured. But I like how Janeway deals with them where she basically runs through it all logically and says, well, if we're in the Federation, I'd turn you over to the authorities, but we're not. I can't keep you in the brig forever. For 70 years. Yeah, so I've got to let you go. But she does, and this is a side of Janeway that I really like, where she's really assertive. She's like, but if you do anything like this again, if we cross paths with you, then there'll be trouble kind of thing. Yeah, like we see this here with the the Vidians, and they say that they're only taking it when it's necessary Mm. and all that. But what was all that stuff in the lab that I saw earlier? Yeah, that's true. Let's just wait until it's needed. Yeah, that's... And, and, and we do see it later on. I can't remember what the episode's called, but where the Vidians do attack Voyager and the sole purpose is that they're going to harvest the entire crew. Yeah. For, for and, basically for spare parts. And they, they kidnap Bellana in a, yeah. an upcoming episode, which that's another really good episode, Faces, where they, they split yeah, Bellana. Well, that's it. I think there's some brilliant Vidian episodes. They're, they're very complex alien, because, like they say, 2,000 years ago, they were explorers, and the highest achievements was the art. Yeah. But then they got the page, and over 2,000 years, their entire technology has turned to harvesting yeah. and surgery. And like you say, it shows with how much further on they are than the Federation that what an advanced species they are or they could be if yeah. their entire thing wasn't focused on curing this thing. And again, that's got a bit of sort of contemporary relevance because like, I've read articles recently that have talked about, obviously, we've developed these vaccines for COVID-19. And they've been done in record time. Yeah. And the, the, I've seen articles where they've speculated on, well, what does this mean for medical science now? It's once this is dealt with, and fingers crossed we're getting there, now that they've shown they can do this in that sort of timescale, like what are the medical advances in the next 10 years going to be? 
when we we've achieved something that wouldn't have ever been thought possible. Yeah, but I was suddenly going to have vaccines for everything. Well, yeah, I mean, like I remember at the start of the pandemic, people said, you know, a, a vaccine might take ten years to develop, and you know, it's it's just incredible. Well, so, like and it's not just one company that's come out. With no, vaccine. no, we've got companies all over the world working independently have all managed to develop a vaccine almost at the same time. It's yeah, I mean, this is it. We could and... almost start a conspiracy thing. <laughs> oh, let's not go down and, that and road. Suddenly, every company's been able to develop a vaccine at the same time. Yeah. In record time. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not advocating starting conspiracy theories <laughs> about it. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, to draw a parallel with this, the Vidians are sort of stuck at that stage that we've been in for the last year. Whereas, you know, if they'd have cured the phage within a year, what would they have done with this technology? You know, it could have been incredible. Um, so, like, ra- only a couple of weeks away from, oh, who did we look at last week? Um, the Sakaran. Yeah, Sakaran's. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to imagine that the Vidians and Sakaran's because it is so close, and we the both are very advanced races by the looks of it. Mm. We know each other. You would think so, yeah. It'd make perfect sense. Um, to, well, why haven't other races tried helping them? Yeah, and why it's weird that we've got a couple of races in really quick succession here who are really far advanced, and then you've got people like the Kazon who aren't, and it's like... Well, if they're well, so warlike, why haven't they taken some of this technology uh, from these other... Well, the thing with the Kazon is that up until 50 years previously, they'd been a slave race. Right, yeah, you're right. So, the, and they've sort of stolen the ships, and the ships start looking beaten up and that because they haven't, they don't have the technology. You're right, I'd forgot about the... The, the steel the, things. I'd forgot so about the... technology full. to repair stuff and... Yeah, I'd forgotten about some of the backstory there. Uh, So the episode wraps up then, and this is what I was talking about, like having these little character arcs. Uh, We get the first step on Kez having a bit of a different purpose on the ship, like the doctors offering to train her up as a nurse. And it's good in a lot of ways. One, because it gives Kez something to do that isn't directly linked to Neelix. So her character can start to develop, and it gives the doctor somebody that he can play off of. Yeah, it gives it gives him a regular person. Yeah, to so that isn't just a patient of the week. Yeah, exactly. So really good, good work with that. Um, so that's Phage then. So we're going to jump uh, over a full season, in fact, towards sort of the back end of season two, and look at life signs. Now, this one, it's worth saying off the bat that all the Tom Paris stuff in this one is sort of the middle of a a little mini-arc that they did for Tom in Season 2. And it all ties into the the Kazon and Seska and all of that business. But this is the sort of thing that Voyager should have been doing a lot more of, having these serialised stories within the bigger narrative. Like, you could just watch this one and think, oh, Tom's just been a dick, but... Well, 
if you if you watch it like we we're watching back and like I've watched a few of the season one and then I've jumped forward just to watch this one episode. Yeah. And it is a while since I've watched Voyager. So watching it and you just think what a dick Tommy's been. Yeah, and it's it's interesting actually because um Robert Duncan McNeil does a Voyager rewatch podcast with Garrett Wong. And he was saying that when they got round to watching this one, he was just thinking, what is Tom playing at? Like, yeah. why was I acting like that? And then obviously people tweeted him and said, no, no, it's it's part of the storyline. And he'd forgotten how all of yeah. this resolved. But but yeah, there's some quite good stuff there. But it starts off with him, he's late for his shift and he's got this stupid excuse, uh, you know, what's the name, went into yeah. labour yeah. and some yeah. wild men. And now, this has been quite a long labour because she got pregnant yeah. and left the Alpha Quadrant. Yes, yeah, she and did. back end of season two, so this is two years. Yeah, that's true. Really. But the the it's uh, an interspecies. Yeah. So maybe they have longer gestation period, but then the kid yeah. grows really fast, don't she, Naomi? Almost a cumper like. Yeah, so maybe they have to gestate for a really long time, but then they grow really, yeah, really fast. I think, I think she just grew really fast so that um, they didn't have to have a baby on board. Yeah, they didn't, time. and they could have somebody. Because we sort of got we got Naomi born, and then we don't see her till she's. <laughs> no, it's kind of like um, oh, what was the sitcom Family Ties with Michael J. Fox where. At the end of one season, um, the the main character, the mum, had a baby. And then at the start of the next season, he was about eight. And there was just yeah. no... Anyway, so they find this Vidian woman. And she's obviously in really bad shape because of the phage and everything like that. And they find, like, a sort of like a brain implant thing. Yeah, there's an implant on the... On the head and yeah, like scans scans in. It's like it's carrying out a higher brain functions and yeah. So she's but it, it's not, but it's not connected properly. She's going to die. Yeah, so she's obviously really far gone. That they need this sort of level of augmentation to to keep the brain going, even. But it it sets up the premise of the episode nicely, which is we'll transfer her to the hollow grid. We'll make a recreation of her and she can help us treat her own body sort of thing, yeah. which is a little bit crazy, but it's a good setup for the episode and it's a good setup to give the doctor someone to to talk to and obviously it develops feelings for her over the course of the episode. And yeah, we get we get another bit with um Chicote at this point where He's basically telling Janeway, like, I'm not happy about Tom and all of this. And Janeway says, oh, you can handle it and all this. Now, looking at it in retrospect, when we know where all this is going, this is a mission. Basically, the plan is to get Tom to act up so that the Maquis will believe that he would leave Voyager. Yeah. And Janeway's in on it. Tom's in on it. Is Tuvok in on it? I can't remember if Tuvok's in on it or not. But Chicote is not. So Janeway must be. Chicote isn't, no. So Janeway must be finding this hysterical that Tom's just winding Chicote up. Yeah, and it shows like like after let's call it a year and a half. Yeah. 
year and a half in the Delta Quadrant, with Ducati as the second in command, she doesn't have enough trust in him. No. About about this mission that yeah. he's still be Marquis. Well, that's it. Maybe she suspects it's a Maquis officer, rightly, as it turns out. And yeah. um, But it shows that she's still got this <coughs> distrust of... Uh, yeah, it's a weird it. one. And so back to the Doctor then. And there's a nice bit where it's showing he still doesn't quite grasp human emotions because um, Pell starts crying. And he's like, but you should be happy. Why are you... Why are you yeah. crying, sort of thing, and that's a very sort of a very data-like response, I yeah. suppose. Well, he isn't very emotional before this episode. This is no, sort of like the true. first time where a bit with the. I think this is the like we've seen a bit of a development of his character and all that, and and in, in moments of brilliance. But I think this is one of the first episodes where we get him. Developing an emotional side. Yeah, dev- apart from like frustration and anger, yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. Any more sort of tender side to him. Yeah, well, he's definitely got an anger chip with you, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, no question. <laughs> and the, there's a good bit where he's explaining like the limits of being a hologram. Like, she's like, well, this is wonderful. I look great. I feel yeah. healthy. And you're like, yeah, but you're stuck in this room or on the hologram. Yes. You're stuck in this and. I can only maintain it for, is it about a week? Yeah, something like that. There's kind of yeah, a ticking sort of clock. Like your, your synaptic functions are, are breaking down, and when they go, the link will go. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, again, it's it's a good setup. It's a This is what, and we've talked about, obviously, you know, looking at Picard, Discovery, how they're far more serialised. But this shows that you can do a great story in one episode and, you know, you can set all these premises up, you can play with the idea and you can wrap it all up in 45 minutes. Yeah. With a possible exception that we'll uh, we'll get to. But anyway, there's a good bit with Bilana where Bilana basically, they want to take a bit of brain matter from her. Yeah, and it's worked out a procedure that it can... Sort out. It's basically the pathways in the brain are degraded, and he needs to grow a new piece of brain for it. Yeah, and he believes that plan is genetically compatible because of what happened when the Vidians. Yeah, and Belana's reaction is really good because she's initially not having any of it, and it's understandable yeah. because yeah, she straight away she flies off. And <laughs> goes, you want me to help one of them after what they did to me? No way. <laughs> and it's kind of, I mean, we, we've sort of had a similar beat before with, um can't remember which episode of TNG it is, but where they ask Worf to do like a blood transfusion for a Romulan. And yeah. Worf takes it even further. He's like, no, <laughs> there's no way. Whereas Belana kind of comes round in this one. Um But yeah, Worf's like, no, absolutely not at all yeah. under any circumstances. I like, I like how the doctor's saying it though. I only want to take a little bit of your brain. It's not like you'll miss it. Yes. <laughs> and it reminds me of uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy when they're having um, the meal at the end with the oh, mice. Yeah. And the mice want to take his brain and uh, you won't miss it. We'll give you a robot while it can say yes, no, excuse <laughs> yeah. me, make the tea. <laughs> Who'd miss it? <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, so... <laughs> I like a lot of the things that they set up uh, with the character of Pell that 
you can believe the doctor would be attracted to her. Like, first of all, they set up that she's a medical professional as well, so they've got yeah. the link there. Well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here from what we saw in the in the phage that all Vidians are medical. It does seem that way. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, all the race does. <laughs> yeah. And so there's that that sets up why they might have an affinity with each other. And also she shows, even though Belana's been very aggressive to her, she's showing sympathy to Belana. So it is setting her up as a good person. <clears throat> yeah, but she's there. Oh, yeah, I've read the files about when we kidnapped you. Yeah, that's right. aware of the procedures that they did. And she's sort of like, I'm sorry for what our people did to you, but is she really sorry yeah. what yeah, I, she she I I get the feeling that if she'd been there, she'd have been. Yeah, let's probably let's the same. They they've kind of reached this kind of moral place, haven't they? Where they accept that what they do is bad, but they're not going to stop doing it. They yeah. they they've prioritized their survival over oh, whatever. Yeah, whatever impacts they have on anyone else. The Doctor talks about a process invented by Leonard McCoy, and he says in the year 2253. So I looked this up because I was really hoping this was going to be Spock's brain, um, oh, but it's not. We're about, we're about 10 years too early. This would actually put it three years before um, the first season of Discovery. So this is quite early in McCoy's medical career oh, that he's invented this... Um, this process. Well, but to be fair, he's not actually a young man. No, no. Original Star Trek. No, he's McCoy. Yeah, McCoy was always and, meant to be the. That way deliberately. Yeah, he was meant to be the elder statesman of it, kind of thing. And yeah. DeForest Kelly, um, you know, obviously, you know, we love DeForest Kelly's work and everything, but he's one of them guys who always looked old. Yeah, like he looked I, old when he was like. 20. Yeah, he's just one of them guys, but there you go. Um, I like the way they're building up, like, the the banter and everything between the Doctor and Pell. Like, she says he's funny, and the thing is, he is funny. We know he's funny. Yeah. That's, the doc that's why the Doctor's such a highlight of the show, but he doesn't realise it. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? He, I don't think a lot of the Voyager rest of the Voyager crew realise it either at yeah, this stage. Yeah, that's true. I suppose it's one of them that when you're on the outside looking in, we can find it funny, but if you're on a bio bed and he's giving you all this, you probably won't yeah. find it as amusing, but then she gives him his name, Schmollus. Yeah. Which obviously, it's meant to be a, a throwaway name. We're not going to stick with this for the whole thing, but... Oh, we don't. But, you know, what's weird is she's clearly developing an attraction to him, and she says, I'll call you Schmollus after my uncle. Like, that's a bit weird. Yeah. Like, you, okay, so you fancy him a bit, but you want to you wanna call him by your uncle's name. That, mm, okay. And then we get... Going to the, the Tom Paris B plot. A great bit where Tom squares up to Chakotay and he says, you know, have you got a problem? And he's, the problem's you and all of that. And when he's late again, Chakotay's replaced him with this other guy. Yeah. And then Tom very lightly pushes him away, but Chakotay goes down like a sack of spuds, doesn't he? Oh. 
don't have, don't they? It goes, goes like for the bridge. <laughs> it does, like, there's this thing, and I remember there's an episode, I can't remember which one it is, it's, an, it's a season one episode, it might be Lower Deck, uh, not Lower Decks, Learning Curve, and where one of the Maquis talking to Chakotay, saying, you know, we do things the Maquis way, and Chakotay belts him one, but then he's absolutely gassed, he's out of breath for the rest of the scene after throwing this one <laughs> punch, and I just want worry a little bit about Robert Beltran, you know, he's... Um, <laughs> He's knackered if he throws a punch. He's falling over on the floor after a little shove. It, this would make sense if Chakotay was in on it and he was doing it, you know, I'm going to yeah. do an exaggerated fall over, but I'm pretty sure he isn't anyway. I'll have to re-watch, like, I'll, I'll have to re-watch it sometime. Yeah, next few episodes, but I'm pretty sure he's not. I think the idea is that Janeway wanted Chakotay not in on it because she knew that he'd get wound up by it and it'd build the tension and everything. Um, anyway, so back to the Doctor and everything. They they go, he takes her to the Suite, And again, this is stuff he like... Talks to, he talks to Tom first, doesn't he? Oh, of course he does, yeah. He gets he advice from Tom. Ah. Like, he wants dating advice. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose, you know, Tom's the... At this point, we're trying to portray him as, like, the Lothario sort of thing. So that had... The Doctor would probably think he'd be the man to go to. Yeah. And it gets me, like, when he t- he asks Pell and he's, he's performing a procedure on Pell's actual body mm. with her help, and he just sort of turns around and goes, Oh, by the way... I find you attractive. You like <laughs> yeah. <it> sometimes. <laughs> well, that's after he. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's after he gets the advice from Tom, and Tom's like, "Yeah, you need a romantic gesture." Tom, Tom's there. I can't remember why Tom's there, and Tom's just shocked by. Yeah, him. and Kez is just like, <laughs> Kez is just like anyway, and she's like, you know, maybe Doctor another time would be better for this, and the Doctor don't understand why she doesn't respond to it. He's like, yeah, it's great. Um, when they're on the holodeck the first time, again, just stuff that resonates with where we are in the world now. Like she says, we can't do this on our planet because we have to keep distant from each other. And yeah. it's like, yeah, they, they've they got social distancing, you know, like... Social distancing is part of their culture. Yeah, it's become, again, hopefully we're going to move beyond it pretty soon, but... But yeah, it's like wow, I, you know, it's quite amazing to see something twenty odd years ago in a bit of drama, and it's like they've clearly thought through the implications of the phase. You know, the writers have looked at it and said, "What would this do to a society? How would they be able to function?" Yeah. And you know, you can taking it back to the previous episode, you had these two guys, so that's the equivalent of a support bubble. You know, you've got two people who are yeah. allowed to be near each other, uh, but the majority of society can't be. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so then after the Doctor's sort of got shot down, well, not really shot down, but he's um, when he says the feeling, she said they should stay professional, but Kez has a chat with her. So you get this... Quite a nice sort of contrast between the Doctor going to Tom and Kez 
talking to Pell, you've got the both of them are confiding in someone. Yeah. It's almost sort of like schoolyard, sort of my mate fancies your mate sort of thing. Yeah. But but yeah, I quite like it. And I like how it, it all ends up with this, he's going to take her on a date to Mars in a Cadillac. <laughs> but fair play, you know. It's... It's it's an unusual one, but I suppose it'd be one that you'd remember. Yeah, um, like, I know that they do have Mars base, a Mars colony and all that, because we see it in Enterprise, but there's nothing to suggest that you can go outside. No, I think that's probably just a holodeck thing. Yeah. But I suppose, yeah, you could do that. You could have these situations well, like well Mars looks nice but you know what I'd like to be sat in a car looking at it so you can do that yeah, on a holodeck well, is it a pink sky Mars has uh yeah well red red sky or you know if you're Arnold so Schwarzenegger like blue skies on Mars sky that. so it's I imagine it'd be quite romantic actually yeah exactly and it works out for the doctor because he gets a bit of a smooch yeah and I like how he's been told to take presents and he goes oh I brought this for you and he gives and it's just Turning round and he's one, he's another. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think that happens in somewhere else as well, where someone just keeps giving loads of tips. Is it is it Big Bang Theory where Sheldon's yeah. got all the presents for Penny and then yeah. she gives him Leonard yeah. Nimoy's autograph? Well, Big Bang Theory nicks it from this. Yeah, well, Big Bang Theory nicks a lot from a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, not that I'm disparaging Big Bang Theory, I quite enjoy it, but. Like, half the episodes are basically episodes of Friends, <laughs> and then we've got one episode of Voyager that they've nicked. Anyway, um, so obviously because this is, and we've talked about, like, how there's benefits of having the episodic nature that you can tell these one-off stories, but then the drawback is it's always got to end more or less the same way. It's, the romance has always got to go wrong. You're not going to have the characters staying together. So we've got well, to find a way of I, driving them apart. To be honest, I don't think anybody watching this would think this was going to end with them forever. No, of course not. But it, the thing is, it did become, with TNG, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, that run of it, you knew if there was a romantic subplot that it was a one and done, it was going to be done in the episode until we got things like Cassidy in Deep Space Nine. Uh, Troy and Worf to an extent. Yeah, yeah. dabbled that with it a little was bit. developed over two or three seasons. Yeah, well, mainly season seven, but yeah, there was... It had a lot of build-up to it. Yeah. And but... then they just dropped it. <laughs> yeah, they did. And it had happened. gone by the movie. <laughs> True, and it had gone... Yeah, when he came on board DS9, it was never never spoken of again. Uh, there's a really good book, though, by Peter David, um, in Zadi 2 Triangle, it's called, and that fills in the gaps on Troy and Worf and Riker, and it's a, yeah. and it's a Peter David book, so it's a great book anyway, but, um, yeah, that's a good one. So Pell's brain's rejecting the graft, and... Ultimately, we find out that she's sabotaged it herself. Yeah, because she's, she's altered the, she's changed the medication that's yeah. getting given. Because she doesn't want to go back into the disease-ravaged body. And uh, this is a really weird scene because 
it feels like it starts out really, really interesting, like we're, we're not doing it directly, but we're skirting around issues of euthanasia and all this business, and that could be so interesting. But then it pivots, and all of a sudden it's about, oh, well, I'll be ugly, and I don't want to be ugly. And it's it's like you, you've you nearly touched on something that's incredibly interesting. Yeah, it's like... <clears throat> Like, I imagine the stage, it isn't just about appearance, because well, it can't it's be. not in the organs, there's got to be huge amounts of pain involved. Yeah, and the other thing is, you, all of their society looks like this, so you, you would have... Let's bear in mind, 2,000 years of society is yeah. like this. So you so would have... imagine that the born looking normal, but very quickly... Yeah, the phage comes on, and they're getting skin grafts and this. So and you've that. never known anything else. So you know, I'm yeah. not saying they don't do it for me, but I bet within <laughs> Vidian society, you know, she was it's probably not, a bit of a looker anyway. You know, but yeah, it's quite normal within her society. Yeah, she, but she shouldn't have that concept of ugly. No, and I, I just don't like how it. It switches so quickly from something that's really interesting, like euthanasia, to this really kind of shallow thing. Yeah, and it's and, like, and I can see a point. She goes, "I'd rather spend one week like this than having to go back to that." Yeah, and if it went about all, I'm in pain and suffering. Yeah, exactly. I have to steal people's organs, and I'm having implants yeah. to keep me alive. I can have a week of being, of I can have a great week, or I go back to a lifetime of pain and suffering. Yeah, exactly, and that would have been. I go back to a lifetime of being ugly. Yeah, that would have been so much more interesting. To I know there's not much time left in the episode, but just dig into it a little bit. And I don't know, maybe euthanasia was a bit too much of a touchy subject for mid nineties. TV yeah, to delve into because it's just letting her die. You're right. Yeah, it's not doing it's it. Not, it's not not causing a death. It's it's not causing a death. It's a uh, do not resuscitate almost DNA. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's an interesting idea, and we could have explored the ethics of that and the effect that that has on the yeah. people it leaves behind. But. Give me a week like this and let me die naturally. Yeah, but we, we just... And I'm not, I'm not in pain. I've, I've had a lifetime of pain and suffering. This is the first time I have ever felt healthy. Let me have this for a week. It's yeah. Put me back in. And that could have been great. And I just feel like, even though this is a really good episode, that it just drops the ball a little bit. Down right at, at just the last couple of minutes. Yeah, just a tiny bit there. But then you get a great final scene where they, they have kind of a final date on the holodeck. And I think, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure she's mentioned again, isn't she, later on? Yeah, she's mentioned, I can't remember how. I think it's something like she's made great breakthroughs or something, you know, in terms of yeah. the phage, but um, I'd have to look it up. But yeah, another really strong episode. There's a little bit more that, you know, we don't really need to go into about Jonas and, you know, it's it's furthering the the Mackie's plot the line. The plot, which we're not looking at, so... No, we'll... We'll find out who's betraying... Yeah, we'll, we'll maybe come and... We'll do that at some point, I'm sure. Look at the, the case on Seska The case on Superfast. <laughs> yeah. 
have to get fast kids on Raiders that yeah. can beat Voyager. Not not and let's bear in mind Voyager takes a lot of detours. It does, yeah. It's not they like get, they always know where to be in front of them. That's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so next week then, um we're gonna be doing um a special live stream. Doctor Squeeze gonna be hosting us again. Um we're gonna be with it being Black History Month in the USA. We're going to look at one of the huge episodes of Deep Space Nine. We're going to look at um, Far Beyond the Stars. And yeah, I think, I'm, at, I'm, I'm looking forward to re-watching this episode. Yeah, it's a really powerful episode, really yeah, big episode. Like, and yeah, there's, been, there's a few times when we do these, when we're looking back and like when we did uh, Trouble with Tribbles, I really, it was one to be excited yeah, to go back and, and watch. City on the edge of City forever. The edge of forever, and you get, and this is another one of them big episodes. That yes, I'm, I'm glad we're doing this. That I've got an excuse to. Yeah, so that's going to be. That's going to be a really interesting chat. Uh, so we're, we're doing that next Tuesday, aren't we? We're doing that next Tuesday. Time, uh, we'll announce the time on the Facebook group, um, and then. We'll be back most likely with more Voyager, more Janeway, more Doctor yeah. the week after that. But we'll, um, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're at RetrekPod on Twitter, RetrekPod at gmail.com, or join us on the Facebook group. And we'll see you next time when we're talking about um, Far Beyond the Stars. So thanks for trekking with us this time, and we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye bye.